on Friday, January 20th, 1961, 20,000 people gathered around the Capitol building in 20-degree weather. The steps to the Capitol building were covered in snow from the night before, and they awaited this new historic moment for America. Newly elected President John F. Kennedy approached the podium to be sworn in. In the freezing cold, didn't have a jacket, didn't have gloves, didn't have a hat on, just showed up in his suit and tie, and he approached the podium. He delivered a speech that was less than 15 minutes, and about 13 minutes in, he gave a line, challenged a nation, challenged those thousands of people there and many more watching at home, a, a phrase that maybe some of us have heard that to this day still strikes a chord that fires us up as a generation. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't, maybe you were there, maybe you were, you were watching that day. But as he scanned out to the audience, he challenged us and said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. A declaration of availability. And how many of us, maybe we've heard that phrase, maybe this is our first time hearing that phrase, kind of gets you excited a little bit, but how many of us have allowed that idea of making ourselves available to not be something for our nation, but for God? To not just ask what God can do for us, but to lean in and ask, what can I do for God? Or what can I do with God. Does that idea, does that phrase in that way still carry the same spark and vigor that it did 50 plus years ago? We've been in a series called Real Prayer for Real People. And every single week we've been beginning by reading this prayer together. It comes from Matthew 6. Jesus gave us this prayer. His disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is his answer. This is his model prayer for us. And every week in this series we wanted to just lean in together to start our time together by reading this as one voice. So I want to invite you guys to join me one last time as we close out this series. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This week, we wrap up our series through the Lord's Prayer, what we've just read together. But next week, we're kicking off a brand new series called Love Where You Live. We would love for you to join us uh, and be a part as we kick off this series. The inauguration is going to be this Friday at Cutler Park. We're going to be having a party, downtown Waukesha. Uh, come hang out with us. It's going to be a good time. Food, games, everything. Uh, we would love to see you there as we kick off this series, learn how we can better serve, love, and be present in the towns, villages, cities, wherever we call home, wherever God has placed us. We are one church in multiple locations, Waukesha, Pewaukee, uh, and wherever you're joining us online. And if we haven't gotten the chance to meet, my name is Garrett, and I get to serve as the director of student ministries here at River Glen. And I absolutely love working with young people, seeing how God is at work in their lives, and mainly, most importantly, being a part of them coming to know Jesus, finding hope and healing in Jesus. It is my joy 
joy. And if you're a student, if you're a parent of a student, we would love uh, to invite you to come check us out. Come get to know us. I'll be floating around the lobby. If you're at Pewaukee, Ryan will be floating around there. Uh, if you're online, uh, hit us up in the chat. We'd love to get you connected. August 29th, we're having a student info meeting that Sunday at both campuses uh, coming out. It's going to be a good time. Learn about uh, our ministries and, yeah, it's good, to, it's good stuff. I absolutely love working with students. But this week, we wrap up this series. The final phrase in the Lord's Prayer. I got to break it to you, though. You might not find it in your Bible. What we just read. That last line, for yours is the kingdom of glory, the power forever. Amen. It might not be in your Bible, depending on what translation you're reading. It's not in mine. It's not in most Bibles. But although it is not found in your Bible, it is very much biblical. It is very much biblical. This phrase is believed to be added by followers of Jesus in the Roman Empire. And this phrase is what's known as a doxology. Doxology can be broken up uh, into two different words. Doxa, meaning praise, glory, honor, uh, and logos, which means words. And so really this word doxology is, is, is praise and worship, honor to God that, that we declare. And this is a beautiful way to wrap up all of these other ideas of prayer, right? Lead us not into temptation, right? Give us this day, our daily bread. And it wraps up with this doxology declaring who God is and what he has done, what he can do, what he will do, as stated in the previous eight or so verses. But the challenge in this closing statement, God, yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the power, amen. The challenge is that in this moment, this prayer would go from words we say to a way that we live. It would not just be words we recite in reading scripture or sitting in church services together, that it would become a way we live, not just words that we say. And so the question is, where do we go? Where do we go from here, right? This is it. This is the end of the Lord's prayer. And in the same way that this text, that this prayer ends in a doxology, so our lives should be a doxology. Our lives should be uh, what I call an incarnate doxology, a living and breathing declaration of who God is and what he has done. We are to live lives that praise and honor and represent King Jesus. How we talk, how we walk, how we order coffee, how we do business, how we raise our family, this is our worship. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. How we live matters. We declare who God is. We declare everything that we've stated in the Lord's Prayer, is true based on how we live as a doxology. I love how Paul said it in Romans 12. He wrote, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We are invited in this moment to lean into what God is doing offer our lives to him and make ourselves available to pray what I'm calling the prayer of availability. 
to pray the prayer of availability, that we would ask, God, could you use me? God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do with you? I'm available to be used for you, by you, in your kingdom. I love how Craig Rochelle put it in his book, Dangerous Prayers. He says, what, what if instead of asking to just do something for us, we prayed the self-denying prayer of availability to our Heavenly Father? What if instead of always asking God to do something on our behalf, we dared to ask God to use us on his behalf? What if we had the courageous faith to surrender our whole future, beginning right now, to God, telling God that we're all his? However, there is a problem. There are some hindrances. There are some things that hold us back, some things that maybe culture has told us, some things that we've gotten twisted, some things that we've maybe misinterpreted in Scripture that keep us, that, that hinder some of us, myself for sure, from making ourselves available to be used by God. And so if you'll just give me a, a few more moments of your time, I'd love to share a few uh, hindrances and encourage you that your availability is greater than these Things. I want to debunk these for you, if you will. The first one is this. Your availability is greater than your age. Your availability is greater than your age. There's a ton of age laws, age requirements in our world, right? Whether it's drink, drinking, driving, uh, renting a car, gambling, uh, whatever it is, going to war, right? There are important age requirements, age limits. But there's also some weird ones. There's some bizarre ones. I found this, uh, for instance, in Winston-Salem. It is illegal for a seven-year-old to go to college. Illegal. Eight is fine. Eight's good. Seven, no, too much. Can't be risking anything. Uh, this, fortunately, for my parents, was nothing they ever had to worry about. They never had to worry about breaking the law in that way. Uh, in Idaho Falls, I, I like this one for my grandma if you're watching. Uh, in Idaho Falls, it's illegal for anyone over the age of 88 to ride a motorcycle. Sorry if you came here on your motorcycle. You're lucky you're not living in Idaho Falls. Wouldn't be the case. You wouldn't be the case. Can't be riding that. Get off. Get off, Grandma. All right. In Athens, Georgia, I like this one. In Athens, Georgia, there's a lot of levels to this one. Uh, no person under the age of 16 can play pinball after 11 p.m. After 11 p.m., get out of here. Nope. Scram. Beat it. Can't be having that ruckus. All right. 15. No. 15. Too young. 17. Now we're talking, right? Yeah, stay up. Play some pinball. Number four, the last one. In Tennessee, it is illegal to dare a child to buy a beer. It's illegal to dare a child to purchase a beer. It doesn't say anything about triple dog dares. I don't know the severity of the dare that would then allow it not to be illegal for you to dare a child. But you can't just dare a kid, okay? No daring children out there, all right? None of that. Okay, don't go to college. Maybe if they're in college, maybe. I don't know. I don't know the rules there. There's some weird age limits. There's some weird age caps. But let me challenge you. Let me encourage you that when it comes to being used by God, when it comes to doing great things in the name of Jesus, there is no age limit. There is no age cap. God is looking at us saying, I'm not looking for an age. I'm looking for someone who is available. Are you available. If you've got breath in your lungs, you've met the requirements. If you've got some organs working, you've met the requirements. If your heart is beating, you have got, you have met the requirements. 
It reminds me of King David in the Bible who at, at what scholars believe the age of 12 to 15, somewhere in there, he was anointed. He was chosen, selected to be the next king of Israel. 15 years old. I mean, JFK was a young, was a young president, right? But 15, right, king of Israel. I mean, he, he would have barely just gotten his temps, you know? He couldn't even ride his horse to the next town over without his mom being on the back, right? Like, this is a young king. This is a young age. But, but I love in that story of, of, of God choosing David over his older brothers, his bigger brothers, his stronger brothers. He chooses David and he says, man looks at the outward appearance. I, God, look at the heart. See, God's not just looking at your gifts. He's looking your availability. God wants to know, no, 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 I don't care how young or how old you are. I care if you're available. I care if you're interested. And God chooses in that way. Reminds me of Moses, who at an old age was encouraged, invited, challenged. He was asked to lead the people of Israel out of slavery and captivity in Egypt. Or Jesus himself, who didn't begin his public ministry until he was 30 years old. Age is just a number in this case. And God is inviting all of us to enter in and say, God, I am available. So wherever you're at, if you're a kid in middle school, if you're a young adult who barely knows how to pay their wee energy bill on their own without calling mom and dad, if you're a parent or an adult trying to run your business or lead your family, or maybe it's both and you're trying to juggle that, maybe for the first time you're an empty nester. You feel like you're 18. You feel like you've been let loose again. Or maybe your, your main priorities are just being grandma and grandpa. Wherever you are at, you have the opportunity. You have the requirements to love, encourage, serve, and bring light into this dark world. We got an opportunity to hear some encouraging thoughts from a few of our students. So I want you guys to check out this video from Audrey. Hey River Glen, my name is Audrey and I'm going to be a freshman in high school. It has been such a crazy year for me as I find my identity through Christ and I think it's just so amazing how God can use young people in his mission. Um, I've been given the privilege to serve the Lord by singing at our youth group and volunteering on weekend services. You should not let your age hold you back from serving God because I guarantee you that he's up there hyping you up while you're singing, while you're frothing milk, and while you're out sharing the love of Jesus Christ. So please never say that you're too young and don't let that hold you back because God uses all ages to go out and do great things. Amen, amen. Your availability, your availability is greater than your age. The next one I want to debunk for you. Your availability is greater than your gifts. Your availability is greater than your gifts. This one's a little odd, but, but go with me for a moment, right? Because gifts are good. Gifts are a, a given to us from God, and they're the way that we serve him. They're the way that we love people. They're the way that we can connect with people. They're the way that we can, right, live and, and serve God in this world. But your willingness to serve God is greater, far greater than your ability to serve God. Your willingness to serve God is far greater than your ability to do so. Because more than what your hands can do for him, 
God is looking for a heart that is after him. More than what your hands can produce, what your hands can do for him, what your gifts can do for him, God is looking for a heart that is in pursuit of him, a heart that is after him. God is looking at your character, not just what you can offer. Gifts are key. We can't rely on our gifts. When we rely on our gifts, it leads to ego is one of the things. It leads to ego because we think we did this all on our own. I did it without you, God. Or it leads to anxiety or guilt and shame because we then think that we have to work to earn God, that we have to work to, to earn his love, or we have to prove something to him as if he has gold stars to give us at the end of every day or at the end of our lives. Gifts matter. They're important, but we can't rely on our gifts. Instead, rely on God. There's a story in the New Testament found in the Gospel of Luke about two sisters, Martha and Mary. And I love this story. It sums up uh, these two ideas really well. Uh, go with me here for a moment. In, in uh, Luke chapter 10, starting verse 38, it says this. As they went on their way, this is Jesus and his, his disciples, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me out. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you're so anxious. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I, I, just like, Martha, Martha, relax, sis. Like, you're anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. There's a couple of things I want us to notice here. Is, is one is that Martha was so consumed with what she could do for God that she forgot why she was doing it in the first place. She was so concerned with serving Jesus. Sounds like a good thing. That she forgot all about Jesus. She was so concerned with physically feeding Jesus that she missed out on an opportunity to be spiritually fed by him instead. See, when we rely on our gifts, we miss an opportunity to say, actually, it's God's strength. Actually, it's not my power. It's not my glory. It's not my kingdom. It's actually me entering into what God's already doing. And my gifts will flow from a natural place of worship and service to God. Not out of this begrudging obedience, getting tired and forgetting the reason we can't rely on our gifts. But I also, I also like what Martha was doing. Not that she got it twisted, but I mean, think about it. She wasn't doing anything wrong. Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. She was using her gifts to serve God. She was a host at her core. She loved throwing parties. She loved having dinners, right? She, she loved inviting people over, welcoming to their home and serving them. And this moment is no different. She just got it, twisted it. And notice how simple of an act this was that Martha did. Jesus in town? Yeah, come on in. We got room. Yeah, we got a bed. We got a couch. Yeah, I'll, I'll whip up a meal. It's a simple act. See, so often we get caught up when it comes to doing something for God. Or what are my gifts? Maybe you don't know really what your gifts are. But what if God's just inviting us to start with where we're at and what we have? 
What if God's inviting us to just start with a simple act of saying, here's what I'm good at. Will this work? I mean, notice the power of this moment. Jesus, Jesus would eventually come to frequent the home of Mary and Martha. He'd go to their house every time he was in town. He'd get a meal. He'd take a nap. Imagine being the place, being the person who is able to offer rest and replenishment to the king of the world by a simple act, by saying, God, I am available to be used by you, but not getting it twisted and relying on our gifts. We got another encouraging message from one of our seniors. Her name's Catherine. I want you guys to check this out. Hi, I'm Catherine, or Kathy. I am going to be a senior at Unite this year, and I'm also a student ambassador, and I'm here to talk to you about how your availability for God to work in you is greater than your gifts. I used to not think that I had a gift for the longest time. I didn't know that being a nice, kind-hearted person counted as a gift, and I used to get really down on myself because of it, until I prayed the bold prayer. I devoted my life to God, I gave him all of my fears and ambitions, and I trusted him with all of my fun, little unfortunate life events, and I trusted him to use me for it, and he did. He turned all of that fun stuff, and he showed me my passions and the gifts he gave me so I could achieve those passions. One of my main passions is mental health, and making sure that everybody knows that they are loved, not only by me, but by God. And one of the main gifts he gave me to help achieve that is shepherding. And I put that into play every Wednesday night when I leave that edge. I'm an edge leader. I help mentor all the little middle schoolers. And honestly, that's my challenge to you. Um, if you haven't prayed the bold prayer yet, do it. Say, God, have your will, not my will, but yours. Um, if you already know your gifts, then wake up every morning and pray that God will give you opportunities to use them and put them into practice. Maybe on yourself, maybe on other people. Love it. I love it. Your availability is greater than your gifts. Ask God, hey, where am I at? What have you given me? Start there. That's all he's looking for. He's looking for a heart. He's looking for your character. He's not looking for what your hands can do for him. God wants you. He needs you in his mission. I love this last one. Your availability is greater than your mistakes. Your availability is greater than your mistakes. This one, for a lot of us, maybe you've already disregarded it, <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Everyone tells me that. This one's hard. This one's tough for us. This one's difficult for me to actually believe that the mistakes we've done, the things that we've done, or even the things that were done to us, that they don't disqualify us from being used by God, from being a part of what God is doing. We feel unworthy, we feel irredeemable. We feel like, like trash. We feel like we've made too many mistakes and that it's too late. In 2015, a movie came out titled The Landfill Harmonic, highlighted an orchestra of young teens from a Paraguayan slum. An orchestra would be sweet, right? We got a cool student band, but I'm trying to get an orchestra, student orchestra. Put that on the list. That's next. The amazing thing, the beautiful thing, though, about this, this crew of kids is not just how young they were, while it's impressive. It wasn't how talented they were, while they were very talented. And it wasn't the, the village, the forgotten village that they came from. It's that every instrument that they used 
is taken. It's recycled pieces of trash that they found and collected in their village. That's what they used to make the instruments. They blew up uh, after, in, uh, after an article written by NPR came out about them. Three years later, this movie came out. Now the world uh, knows about the recycled orchestra as they refer to themselves. They are a living, breathing declaration that one man's trash is another man's or another kid's treasure. They prove to us that trash is subjective. And in the same way, we are invited generously, graciously, mercifully, and lovingly invited into a relationship with God. Not only that, but God says, yeah, your mess, I want it. Your mistakes do not disqualify you. The things that you have done, the guilt, the shame that you carry will not hold you back. It cannot hold you back from me using you. We are invited to be a landfill harmonic. We are invited to be this, 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 this mess that, that proclaims the goodness of God in our lives and around us. We are invited to be an incarnate doxology. We're invited to be, to be this, this, this instrument of trash that echoes heaven and declares the goodness of God, who he is, and what he has done in our lives. Would we live in ways that aren't, that aren't discredited by our mistakes, but rather embrace them to say, yeah, in my weakness, he is strong. Where I'm not good enough, he is. Where I can't, he already did. Where I'm not able to, he is. When I don't feel like it, he always is in pursuit of me and you. He loves us and welcomes us with open arms. I love how the author uh, of Romans, Paul, I love how Paul put it, uh, flipping back a, a few chapters in Romans from where we were earlier. Paul, killing Christians until Jesus got a hold of him, knows what this means to carry that burden of your mistakes. But he wrote this in Romans 8, for I'm sure... Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, come on, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in this world could separate you. Your mistakes, your baggage, your trash, whatever it is, he welcomes them with open arms. I got to sit down with one of our graduated seniors. His name's Trevor. I want you guys to check this out. All right, y'all. I'm here with my man Trev. Just graduated from KM this year. Trevor, do you believe that your availability is greater than your mistakes? Uh, yes, I do believe. No matter what you've done, God loves you and cares about you no matter what. Awesome. You had something pretty crazy happen earlier this spring. You want to tell us about that? Um, I was out driving late at night and I got into a bad car accident. Apparently, I almost died, but God had different plans for me. Yeah. And then a few weeks later at Unite on Sunday night, what happened? I decided to get baptized and give my life to God. That was awesome. What do you want to encourage everybody with today? Well, we all make mistakes, and God, but God accepts us all with open arms, and your availability is greater than your mistakes. Heck yeah. Amen. Yeah. 
is the invitation. That we would pray the prayer of availability. That we would say, hey God, no matter how old I am, Maybe you feel like your best days are ahead of you. Maybe you feel like your best days are behind you. Let me encourage you. Your best days are right now. Whether you're unsure of your gifts, you're unsure of how God has has gifted you, how he even wants to use you, whether you feel like your mistakes are holding you back, there's an invitation on the table that we would step in, that we would not just ask God what he can do for us, But God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do with you? God, what can I do alongside you? He's already at work. He's already moving. He's already doing great things. It may not seem like it when we check into the news every morning, but he is moving. He is at work. The invitation is that we would enter in, that this prayer wouldn't just be words we say, but a way that we live that we would declare that we would be an incarnate doxology, this living, breathing praise to God. Let me encourage you, being unqualified is the new qualification. Being unqualified is the brand new qualification. God says, if you're not good enough, great, come on in. I've got plans for you. I want to do something not just in you, but I want to do something through you. Would we pray the prayer of availability? Would we embody the Lord's prayer? Would we step in and today, make ourselves available? Say, God, you can use me. He sees you. He sees all of you. And when he sees you, he doesn't see the mistake. He sees his son, he sees his daughter, he sees the righteousness of God, he sees a loving child, he sees a beautiful creation. He wants you, he cares about you, he's ready for you. Would we lean in and ask God, would you use me? Would you use me? I'm available. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for how good you are. God, we thank you for the statements in the Lord's Prayer that that we've been walking through. God, we thank you for how true they are. Hallowed be your name. God, you're holy. You're you're, you're set apart. You're holy. You're, you're, You're good. God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom is here. Your kingdom is good. God, your will be done. Your will is is, is good. It's better than anything that we could imagine. God, give us this day our daily bread, and we know you will. You're the provider. You're the sustainer. You've been doing it since the very beginning when we believe that you have what's best for us. God, we ask that you'd forgive us And you so generously do. On the cross 2,000 years ago and every day after. And God, you don't want to lead us into temptation. No, you're a deliverer. 
God, you're so good that you would deliver us from evil. Thank you. God, we declare in this moment, for yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the power. Would we enter in? Would you give us a boldness? Would you give us faith to believe that we can enter in to what you're doing? God, would we pray the bold prayer and make ourselves available to you? You can use us. You can have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.